Warning, the Deptop Podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. 8, 3, 7, 3, 6, 8, 6, 9, 8, 0. Please be aware that this episode includes spoilers for other side picnic, so be sure to finish the show before you listen. Seven, three, six, seven, seven, eight, seven, three, six, seven. Finally, the opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Deptop podcast as a whole. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another exciting episode of Dub Talk, where we bring you the latest and greatest in dub news and also answer all sorts of burning questions you have, like, what if Daphne and Velma went to a parallel world full of monsters? What would happen? <laughs> well, we'll find out on tonight's episode. Uh, joining me on this episode, I, I have a bunch of lovely guests who are very kind to talk to me about this show, with me about this show. Uh, we have Steph. Hello. I like I like spooky things. Do you like spooky things? I like spooky things. It's true. Mm. We have Gigi. Look, I brought some wine to this picnic and also like a really cute girl body pillow. And I am sad to say, um, where is the picnic and where is the Yuri? I cannot. I can answer one of those questions in a little bit. All right. And we also have Patrick. There's a concrete statue in my room. Every time I blink, it moves. I'm unsettled. <laughs> oh, no. I see giant eyeballs. Oh, Lord. Y'all y'all, y'all may want to find a different place to record for the evening, I was going to say. <laughs> also, who are you? I'm Amon. I'm, I'm hosting this episode because uh, I'm, a, I'm a big weirdo who likes this stuff. Yay. <laughs> And, and what are we talking about? Well, you probably figured that out already because you're listening to the episode and we list what show we're talking about in the title. But for some reason, you just opened this audiophile site unseen. We are talking about Other Side Picnic, uh, the anime adaptation of the hit light novel series about lesbians going to a another parallel world full of Japanese urban legend and creepypasta monsters. Not Yay! a picnic. Not a picnic. Not a picnic. I was promised so a picnic. <laughs> Would you, here's a question, would you like to know why this is called that? I would, actually, because there was no picnic. The picnic, the picnic's, I'm not even sure the picnic's a metaphor. Basically, in the 60s, there was a book published. It's a, it's a Soviet-era Russian sci-fi novel. It's called Roadside Picnic. And uh, the basic, it's basically, it's the nearest future. In the past, aliens came down to Earth. They didn't really do anything, no one saw them, but they left a bunch of crap behind, like how if, uh, you know, back in the old days, you would go on a picnic by the road, and because people are terrible, they just sort of leave their garbage, because, you know, this is before littering laws existed. Okay. Uh, and basically, the aliens did that, and they kind of fucked up physics and left a bunch of high-powered science-y stuff that humans are desperate to get. Huh. 
much like for you know the 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 whole bit in this show where they're just sort of the invisible traps that'll blow you up. That's from that. That's a thing. Cool. Oh, okay. That was yeah, like, before I was born. Yes. Uh, it was adapted into a movie in the 70s under the title of Stalker, a, a movie I love very much. Uh, it's clear the guy who wrote this also likes that movie. That was based <laughs> on uh, Roadside Picnic? Okay. Yes. And and to my understanding, the video game series is very nominally based on both of them, although not that much, I don't think. I've never played any of those games, so huh. the connection's a little fuzzy to me. Um, Interesting. This series, this, this whole, that... I, I, I can't call it a franchise, but, like, that book has had a really weird existence. Uh, which led to this, which, uh, according to my friend Gott, is basically also very influenced by some really obscure section of Toho, the, like, shoot 'em up games. It's wild. Hmm. Interesting. Anyways, I would describe that in more detail, but frankly, I know, I... I it's fun watching Gott talk about Toho. I don't really understand what's going on. There's way too much happening. <laughs> like, I know a little bit about it, but then the more I think about it, the more I don't. Exactly. It's like, uh, there's bullets and cute girls. This is the extent of my understanding. That's it. Done. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yes, but that's, that's why this is called Other Side Picnic, because a big nerd wanted to shout out another thing he liked. Uh, anyways, what is Other Side Picnic about? Well, let me go pull up an actual description like I should have done ten minutes ago and completely forgot to. Guess what? It's not a picnic. <laughs> no, the picnic The picnic is a metaphor. Gigi's just going to be stuck on this. Look, I wanted a baguette and some cheese and some cute girls kissing. I was promised some cute girls kissing. You you want you want something a little closer to the uh, to the citrus end of the of the scale? You know, I'm not mad about that. <laughs> okay. Instead, I got like Higurashi mixed with flip flappers, mixed with it's nothing. Not, this is not that much of a Higurashi, thank you. Uh, there is one character who is one thousand percent Higurashi. Which one? The short-haired girl. Uh, Akari. I don't uh, know the ninja one. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's Akari. Uh, that's Akari. Yeah. Kung Fu lady. 100% Higurashi. Fight me. Well, she will fight you. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> Do you like that joke I made there for everyone who watched this show? Did oh anyone God. else watch this show besides us? Uh, yes, but like uh, people who already like Yuri, as far as I can tell. But like, there's I, for, no Yuri in this. There's a, <laughs> look, there's the bit in episode two where she does like the wall press. Oh, the Kabedon? <laughs> Yeah, and they aggressively grabs her chin, and sometimes that's all you need. All I know is, I for a while I was doing a thread where I talked about all the creepypasta shit, and I got a lot of retweets from Yuri fans who otherwise would not interact with me, so clearly someone else is watching <laughs> Somebody's it. Somebody's watching it, yeah. <laughs> like, let's be real, there's the second to last arc of the show, where there's like, two characters repeating pet names to each other. Oh like, yeah, that's close enough, right? I mean, they're about as Yuri as I am. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, what is Other Side Picnic about? Well, as the handy plot summary in Anon tells us, uh, Sarawo, 
has been exploring the strange, dreamlike world she calls the other side ever since she stumbled upon it during her days as an urban explorer. But her most recent trip has gotten her into serious trouble. Then she meets Toriko, a strange young woman searching the other side for her missing friend. Toriko helps Sorowo Sorawo out of her predicament, and Soro falls into helping Toriko in her mission. But each journey into the other side brings strange new dangers and skills, and Soro isn't sure that the search is worth it. Uh, do you like cute girls and monsters? Great. <laughs> you're gonna get a you gotta have a fun time. There's also guns. Uh, also good. Yes, the uh, yes, they indulge in the fine American tradition of getting drunk and shooting things on the beach. <laughs> and army men. There's army men. Army men. Oh god! In the navy, I know it's not the right. That's bridge, well. That's, actually, I know it's not you know the right what? Bridge, that's gonna hey, make sense because all the women are dead. <laughs> YMCA, oh. this bitch. Ah. <laughs> uh. Alright, where was I? Um, before we get to the cast, I do want to share, Andrew was very, very, very kindly uh, found some people who found clips from an interview with the author of this, yeah. this light novel series. And I wanted to share some of them because uh, I, I, I now love this man because he appears to have been born on the last panel of a galaxy brain meme. <laughs> For example... <laughs> Oh god, okay. That's a that's a he, he has a he has a lot of thoughts about what Yuri means, not as like like tonally, contextually, thematically. My favorite of this is he talks about the movie uh Sicario, which is a Dennis Villano movie about like uh the drug war on the Mexican border. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember hearing and, this. And uh he ta- he's talking he's talking about there there are two big themes on the soundtrack and one gives you this uh it says the sense of dread of two wild beasts glaring and pouncing at each other that represents the battles to the death between the illegal police force and the mafia and the other theme was the melancholy of the border area two emotional themes if you listen to the soundtrack with that in mind you you cannot perceive it as anything but yuri though the movie itself has no yuri in it at all <laughs> What? That's kind of how I feel about this series, actually. Oh, bless this soul. <laughs> this oh, man, this man, this man, this, I appreciate this, because this is the kind of pretentious introspection about what things mean that I enjoy doing. Oh, I love it already. <laughs> this is great. I will, I will try and make, I'll try and remember to link this particular interview. He also has a bit where he's talking about, like, concepts in Yuri. What was it, one of them? Uh, you'll, you talk about the sentiment of, like, let me... Mihio being a male person, join these buddy buddy girls is a phrase typically of a male viewpoint, and it will get you killed. Never listen to any, any anything those kinds of people have to say. Weird ma- weird men who like Yuri for the wrong reasons, don't trust him. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, he also he also has the opinion he'll get people who are like, oh, it's just a phase. Saying this will also get you killed. Don't do it. That's accurate. <laughs> Block these people. They are not worth your time. Yes. <laughs> Oh shit. Anyways, uh, but let us. Who made this dub? This dub from Funimation? Well, uh, I can tell you that, so uh, let's get started. Heck yeah! As soon as, as, soon as my tablet opens. Uh, well, on the crew side, we have our ADR director and our scriptwriter. ADR direction was done by Michelle Rojas, who has also uh, directed such shows as Higurashi When They Cry, the, the new one. See, Higurashi's coming up already. See? <laughs> uh, Saga and uh, Kaguya-sama, Love is War. 
and the script was done by Leah Clark and Madeline Morris, who has also who have also written such shows. Uh, Leah Clark has written shows such as Chio School School Road, Gleipner, and Toilet Bound Hanukkah. Yeah. And Madeline Morris has written shows such such as Assault Lily Bouquet, uh, Mushoko Tensai, and Remain. We're gonna change things up a little tonight, uh, rather than do everything in sections Ooh. because there's a pretty small cast in this particular episode. We're just gonna read the whole cast out up front. Allah, as Noah tends to do in his retro episodes, and then we'll just talk about everybody. Yeah, this is a very small cast, so this is a ver- this is this is this is two leads, some peop- a couple people who show up in a couple episodes, and a bunch of one-offs. So, who's in this? Well, obviously, we have our two leads, uh, Soro O Kamikoshi, whose name I'm just I'm never gonna pronounce that right. It's really irritating me. <laughs> hey, Soro. Hey, Soro. Sora we, we, we and Gull. We can call her by a different name, right? No, no. I need, I need to learn. I need to... glasses, Coon. <laughs> no, I mean by her actress's well, name. But you oh, know. okay. Oh, well, if we're gonna, if we're gonna give her a nickname, it's Velma. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> this is also true. Here. Okay. This is the Velma. That that bit of the opening where they're like running down the stairs and they do like a little leap over a that gap. That is hundred like, percent a Scooby Doo moment. Yeah, that's that's a Scooby that's a Scooby Doo. Hundred percent. That's great. Let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, and the other lead is uh, Toriko uh, Nishina. Uh, Sorobo is a quiet, spectacled college student. Doesn't seem to have a lot of friends. Kind of lonely and sad for reasons we'll get into in a bit. Uh, and Toriko is, uh, this big blonde lady who apparently, uh, uh, she's, she's into searching out new things and she's got a lot of personality and, uh, her parents are in the military and taught her how to shoot guns. She's Canadian. She's Canadian. But hey. does she say sorry? Uh, Maybe. unfortunately no, but that don't bother me none. Yeah. I would have known, I would have recognized if it would have been Sorry. Because I watch a lot of Degrassi. <laughs> I haven't watched Degrassi in a hot minute. Ooh, Lord. girl, you better start. The new remake's going to come on HBO Max. Oh, shit. There's a new remake? Hell yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Never ends. Going. Never ends. <laughs> what is it? The Degrassi of next generation generation? I don't know. <laughs> oh. Uh... These two are being played by, uh, so- Sorowo is being played by Madeline Morris, who you know for such roles as uh, Miyu Mashima in Assault Lily Bouquet, uh, Kabane Kusaka in Kemono Jihan, and uh, Misato Tachibana in Nichijou, My Ordinary Life. And Toriko is being played by Emily Neves, who you know for such roles as uh, Kayo Aiga in Kakushigoto, Eri in My Hero Academia, and Mihoshi Tachibana in Nichijou. Uh, fun fact, she was also the script supervisor on this show. Yeah, she's it's it's her and Jeremy Kratz, I believe, with the script supervisors mm-hmm. for it. Which uh, you know, talented people, so good times. I, I find it very funny because I think I distinctly remember when the dub for this was announced, both Maddie and Emily got so excited because it, for 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 what it seemed like or for all intents and purposes, they didn't know they were both writers on the show, oh. <laughs> and they're the leads. So I, I could be completely wrong on that assumption, and I might be forgetting incorrectly. That tends to happen. But they were just so excited at the fact that oh my god, you two! <laughs> it was kind of adorable. That's how I remembered it. That's cute. Uh, now, th- those are our leads, but uh, they, are, they are not isolated. They are not alone. They have friends who we're going to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, we have uh, 
Kozakura. Kozakura is a tiny little white-haired shut-in who uh, buys weird shit that uh, Toriko finds on the other side for interest reasons. Uh, she does not like leaving the house. She does not like going to the other side, which means you know she's going to have to go to the other side a few times. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, uh, that's great. Ah. And she she is responsible for one of my favorite images in the entire show, which is uh, her wielding a shotgun that is roughly twice the size she is. Because <laughs> Akira is so fucking cute. She's so tiny. So angry. Angry and tiny. So, so angry child. So much rage. Angry child who's probably older than both our leads. That's likely. It's likely, considering from our my understanding, she knows Satsuki as well. So, yeah. Uh, they also they also meet a pair of mechanics later. Uh, one is Akira Seto. Uh, she originally comes to them because uh, ninja cats are hassling her, and she doesn't know what to do about it. <laughs> but she does know she does know that Sorowo does does deals with weird things or knows about weird things, so she comes to her for advice. Ninja cats. Because <laughs> ninja cats. Uh, also, also, Soro gets real jealous of her because she thinks Toriko likes her. <laughs> and that annoys her. Uh, Akira also has a friend who's, uh, another martial, another, he's a mechanic who is not into martial arts, uh, named Natsumi Ichikawa. She's taller. She's very nice. Uh, and, respectively, they are, uh, Kozakura is played by Sarah Wiedenheft, uh, who you know for such roles as Riri in Assault Lily Bouquet, Pigeon in Boogie Pop and others, and Hina Tomei in Kash Kakushigoto. Akira is played by M Amelie, you know, for playing uh, Kaoru in Kageki Shoujo, Ai Hayasaka in Kaguya-sama Love is War, and Junko Kono in Zombieland Saga Revenge. And Natsumi is being played by Michelle Rojas, you know, for playing Ku in Assault Lily Bouquet, Boogie Pop in Boogie Pop and others, and she plays Mion in Shion in the new Higurashi series. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, but it's not all it's not all fun friends and women. There are men in this show too. <laughs> the, the occasional man in this. They're 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 not too important, and of the four we're about to talk about, two of them do not make it to the last episode, but you know, they're, they're Hey there. listen, I I'm all for the men being rescued by ladies, thank you very much. That is fun. Reverse the stereotype. Aw yeah. Uh, first off, we have a guy named, uh, Abarato. Uh, he is in the other side because he thinks his wife got spirited away there and he's on the hunt for her. He's probably right. It doesn't turn out very well for him, unfortunately. No, no it doesn't. So sad. Nope, nope, he, he meets, he meets a lady named Lady Hashuko, who's a nine-foot-tall woman in a hat, and she disappears him, basically. Resident Evil? Yeah, Lady Hakusho is actually the, one of the inspirations for Lady Domitrescu in Resident Evil Village. Is no she shit. really? She is actually. I remember. I said that, it. and Chris was like, "No, she's not." And I was like, mm. "I remember reading and hear about it somewhere." But yeah, she is one of the inspirations, Lady Hakusho, that for Domitrescu. As, as far as I know, like Lady Hashiko is like a fairly well-known like mm -hmm. urban legend creepy pasta figure, so I I completely believe that. Yeah, but especially like the hat and everything, yeah! like that could, that totally makes sense. Oh, yeah. that was really loud. I peaked real hard there <laughs> over the okay. tall lady in fucking Resident Evil. This is my life, guys. AKA, <laughs> apparently everybody's mommy because everybody wants Lady Domotresk. 
please step on me. Please continue. <laughs> who, who, better, who better to step on you than someone who's like three times your size, right? Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, uh, things end up poorly for him. Things end up a little bit better for our next three characters. Well, because well, at one point, two out of the next three. Two, right? out, of three, two, out, of, two out of three ain't bad. Um, too soon. Uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Meatloaf. Um, oh, God. Anyways, while they're on the other side, they, they end up running into, of all things, a whole-ass American Army battalion who were doing exercises in the mountains near uh, Okinawa and went into the other side by accident and have been stuck there ever since. Whoops. Uh, they have the extremely ominous name of Pale Horse Battalion, which really, they were just asking for trouble with a name like that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh man! I've, I've read a book. I know what that means. <laughs> oh Jesus! Wait, Will Drake is the first one we meet. He's the head of a squad, basically. Yeah. Uh, he encounters the girls and is like, "Oh, you guys shouldn't be out here. You should come back to our place. It's marginally safer there." Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Which it was until. It's in a slightly creepy tone. <laughs> Everything worked out. Everything was okay up until the monster showed up. <laughs> yes, Inclu including the one that used to be their their stupid little like dog drone that turned into a, a big headless uh, monster creature. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, there is also Ray Barker. He's the as I said, uh, he's the actual head of the of the group. You can tell because he has a mustache. As we all know, <laughs> facial hair means authority in the army. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's he's trying his best to hold everything together. Unfortunately, there's also Sergeant Major Greg. <laughs> Sergeant Major Greg doesn't trust them. First... Why are these women out wandering around here? What's their deal? Mm. Uh, he doesn't. Tr <laughs> yeah, he d he does not trust them, and that uh, that unfortunately rears its ugly head when uh, he realizes that they have been they have been. Early on, in the, after the first episode, they've basically been marked by the other side in some capacity, and once he realizes this, he just kind of turns on them. Well, uh, later I we mean, find out he, like, kind of... If you're uh -huh. touched by the other side, that might make you a witch! Oh, Lord. Burn her! <laughs> Blasphemy! Throw them in the river, see if they float! <laughs> if they float, uh, they're a witch, we gotta kill them! <laughs> Uh, later we come back and find out that he kind of went crazy and died, as so many so many of these guys have already done in the other side. Yeah. It's not meant for people. Yeah. It's not meant for humans. No, it's not. Will Drake is being played by Z. Charles Bolton in a in a rare vocal appearance. Yes. Uh, you know for playing such roles as Ryunosuke in Assassination Classroom, Sho Hinakawa in Psychopaths, and Ryusuke Komoto in Wave Listen to Me. Ray Barker is being played by Chris Guerrero, who is the narrator in Double Decker, Doug and Krill, uh, who in Hells, and of course he is Ains old gown in Overlord. Yes! And uh, Sergeant Major Greg is being played by Billy Kometz, you know, for lots of things at this point. Uh, what, some, some I liked, he's uh, Shine in 86, he's Risu in Dorohidoro, and he's Gallo in Promare. Did you? Oh. I think you no, missed. Uh, an Sorry, I, I have my thing out of order here. Abarato is being played by Christopher Wakecamp, uh, who you'd also know for a bunch of things, including uh, Kyochiro in Boogie Pop and others, Momoki in ID, it, 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 it Invaded, and Lieutenant Sakuma in Joker Game. 
Yay! I thought for Thank a second you. there was like, hold on, I think you missed Barato, and you're like, I got no, it. No, I, I, I reordered my I reordered my list and forgot to move him to the top to the top of that section. Ah, uh, okay. As I, as I was saying, there are also a couple other credited people in here. Lady uh, Hashiko Hashiku is being played by Michelle Lee, and uh, Caitlin Barr shows up playing a uh, evil snake lady named uh, Kankan Dara. Uh, however, they don't really have lines, they just kind of vocalize, so we're not going to talk about them too much, but uh, they're here, and I think they're quite nice. Yay. hey ho. So, friends, let us let us talk. How, do, how, did we, how did we feel about this dub? Would someone like to go first? I mean, it's very well put together. Um, I'm wondering how much research um, the script writing team and Michelle Rojas did for the... Um, for the actual creepy pastas that sort of mm. make up the backbone of the story, there had to have mm. been some work done, honestly, especially because of the amount of the creep of creepy pastas. And at the time the show was airing, the light novels they were licensed and being released, correct? I believe I believe by the time the show is out, I think at least the first four uh, J novel is putting out the light novels in English. I believe at least the first four or five were available digitally. Okay. Um, the printed the print edition. I think by the time the show came out, only the first vault the first like two were available in print as like a little like two in one omnibus. Gotcha. But I, a bunch more of it was available digitally by that point. And I think okay. I think this is also one of those um, one of those franchises where it's basically like. The 12 episodes of this season covered, like, maybe a novel or two. Something, like, I, yeah, I did a little research into this, and it's, like, it's not quite, like, a novel straight through, but it is, like, it's about a book's worth of stuff, plus I think, like, a couple of the episodes were basically scenarios that were made up for the anime, as far as I could tell. Mm, gotcha. Um, like, the big-headed village one, I believe, is not something that's from any of the books as it stands. That's just, uh, that's, that's another famous creepypasta they just threw in here. Guys, guys. I like guys. that trend, yes. yes. What's a creepy pasta? Oh, jeez. Oh. oh, hold on. Oh, Sorry. a a creepy pasta is a term for what is basically just like short internet fiction that is usually posted to like image boards and Reddit and places like that. And like, usually they're like, like how King's based. Game was like done on a phone. A little bit, although even like even more amateur than that. Like it's usually not published by anybody other than just like I had a weird idea. I'm gonna post it to this place so people can read it. I'm yeah, possibly gonna you've... do a slight deep cut. Gigi, have you ever heard of Slenderman before back in the day? Nope. Okay, that didn't help then. Alright, yeah, <laughs> things like Slenderman, the SCP Foundation, um... Mm-hmm. Uh, geez. Just what... a bunch of fun little short urban horror stories. Um, really. Siren Head? Nope. Uh... I feel bad now. We are way outside of Gigi's frame of reference. <laughs> <laughs> I, apo I apologize. I feel bad. Salad I want to give you fingers, some, a good I think example. Is this is like one. on fan fiction something? Yeah, or, or if not fan fiction, or at least like the ones that have like original fiction on them sometimes. All right, whatever. I'll I'll take yeah, I'll take your word for it. You keep saying creepy pasta, and I'm thinking about the penny it's... vodka pizza that Steph was talking about <laughs> earlier when you. she didn't know that penne was pasta no, that would be no, on no, okay, the pizza. Okay. No, you shut up. I know penne is a kind of pasta. All right. I didn't think there was gonna be penne pasta on the fucking pizza. Penne That's more, okay. vodka pizza. Penne pasta and a vodka sauce on the pizza. Creepy pasta 
pizza. <laughs> bless you, Gigi. Bless you. Motherfucker, I hate you, but uh, I love you. <laughs> please continue with the discussion of the dub. I'm only here for occasional quips and okay, stuff yeah, I didn't understand. A, TL- a TLDR is basically like really short horror stories you can find on like Reddit. Nowadays, oh yeah, I don't go there. That hurts my mental I health. I, did did you did you watch Channel Zero at all? No. All right, never mind. All right, just keep that talking. My la- that was my last source. <laughs> I watched um, what is the pee pee poo poo man? Who's not the pee pee poo poo man? What is his real name? The bye bye man. What is that? It is that one. Okay, that I don't even know what that is. That gives you right, a little bit right, of a Gigi? frame of reference. I think, Gigi? like, another thing that's kind of close is, like, the Babadook. Okay, gotcha. Gigi, this is very funny to me because if memory serves, the pee-pee-poo-poo man joke was started by a guy who's known for writing creepypasta. See? That, see? <laughs> Chris made me watch the pee-pee-poo-poo man. I laughed through the whole thing. And then I got really sad because I found out it was directed by a guy who was on Survivor's Wife who has is now passed away. Oh, my But God. he was one of my favorite Survivor players. What up, Jonathan Penner, who will never listen to this podcast? <laughs> Anyway, all right. Uh, why did they not? Why does she not have a Canadian accent? Now that I know that the blonde girl is Canadian, first of all, her name's Toriko. So the whole time I thought she was gonna eat everything she shot. <laughs> why? Oh why God. did she not talk in a Canadian accent? I I believe I believe I I need to check, but I think either she is like half Japanese, half Canadian, or it's that she is Japanese, but her parents were stationed in Canada for a while. It, it, the show does state that her mom was in Canadian Armed Forces. So yeah. somebody's so, got a Canadian accent in that family. <laughs> so it could be that the mom is Canadian Armed Forces is Canadian, dad is Japanese, and mom maybe was stationed in Japan. That's so always a possibility. No we don't have details. Sorry. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Why don't Why don't I get some craft dinner with my analysis of the other side picnic dub? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not talking shit. Everyone who worked on this, I'm just making jokes. But now I want her to speak in a Canadian accent. <laughs> That's a, that'll be the that'll be the alternate audio track on the blue. Yeah, can I get can I get different audio? Maybe in a video commentary with just who who voiced her? Come on, Emily, you can do it. It's Emily Neves. Emily Neves, you yeah. can definitely do a Canadian accent. Just the whole thing. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Marco. Just show up at a con. Hey, don't they don't bother me none. Listen, if they let Howard Wang and Skate the Infinity have a little bit of, he had a Canadian <laughs> accent. <laughs> we won't talk Let's about that. Let's have that, that alternate Let's go. Now I'm Can mad. I, now All I right. kind of remember. I remember. I kind of remember what I wanted to talk about because. Um, well, well, oh, just as, just a brief aside. Since we were talking about like research for the uh, for the like sort of source legends. Yeah. Uh, I have, having read the books in the back of them, they usually do have a small listing of 
here is where this story comes from. Although, from my experience, it's usually, like, the original Japanese version, not, like, a translation or anything like That's that. That's helpful. And, I mean, with um, going back to the... Going also on top of the research portion of this, um, this show, I think all 13 episodes dropped. It's not, a, like, a week weekly mm-hmm. simuldub. It's just one of those, like, full season drops. Um, so there was a good chunk of time where they probably had the opportunity to, to look into... Um, more of the stories and urban legends that are that the um, late novels are based on. Um, mm-hmm. Also, as a fun side note, uh, I'm gonna give props to Studio Nano because they're becoming a big deal. Like in the past couple of years now, like they're slowly getting more and more work, and they're becoming a very reliable studio. So, because I believe this is Studio Nano. Yeah, was this a correct. Studio Nano job, or is this like a Funimation with the people from Studio Nano working on it? It's fun. It's a Funimation dub, but I think it was outsourced to Studio Nano. Okay, good because on you. Because Michelle ya. Rojas is part of Studio Nano. Yeah, I know that. So I know that. I may not guess. know what a creepy pasta is, but I know my dubbing studios. <laughs> You're probably better off for that, frankly. <laughs> so what else can we talk about? Madeline Morris doesn't sound like any Madeline Morris I've ever heard. I, right I, when, when when this came out she mentioned this is like the first dub i've ever done where i got to use my actual natural speech. oh is voice. that what she really sounds like holy yeah, or, shit or at least or yeah this is what she actually sounds like wow yeah, i mean when you when you because you if you've heard her in um some of her boy characters too like kabane in um fucking kimono jihen or nope. i haven't watched uh, mushoko tensei no nope. but it, it's kind of leans more towards that end of the tone too um, but obviously, <laughs> Sarao is not a guy <laughs> or a boy, a little child. So it, it works out really nicely, honestly. I really liked it. She, she, like, it was sort of nice learning that just because, like, that must be, like, I'm, acting is acting, but it must be weird when, like, 90% of the time you're called up to do a different voice. Yeah. Uh, especially when, you know, there are plenty of actors I can point to where they are often called off to do what is more or less how they sound out in public. Uh, yeah, like, I, I thought she did a really good job. Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by um by Maddie on this. It made yeah. me very happy. Yeah, I was confused. But <laughs> not, like, confused in a bad way, just confused in an interesting way because I'm so used to her other voice. It's like Big Girl Monica, yeah, yeah. It, which it, I it takes love. Yeah. Also, just to make sure I am correct on this, Other Side Pitnik is a Studio Nano. Um, yes, perfect. It was recorded at Studio Nano, so. Perfect. Just so I'm not talking out of my ass in, like, too, too badly, which half the time I am. So. <laughs> I, but, uh, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was very confused, but, like, I'm all right with it. It's just, uh, See, here comes my bias, where I had no idea what the fuck was happening in this show the entire time. And I was like, is this like Hell Girl? No, it's not interesting like Hell Girl. I was like, is this like the movie Urban Legend? I was like, no, there's nobody in a bathtub, like, getting their kidneys stolen. I kind of had a... (laughs) Jesus. I kind of had a similar problem with the show itself, actually. Trying to figure out what it it wanted to do with itself. It's not the dub. It was just like... No, it's 100% the show. And like, and I really just, I I wanted more Yuri in it. So I was like (laughs) waiting for the dub to like 
put a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge in there. And it did towards the end. But like in the beginning, I was just kind of like, what is this? Like, where where do we categorize ourselves here? Because when I signed on for this episode, literally thought it was girls going on a picnic. (laughs) Because I judge things by the title. (laughs) See, my thing is like with, with the story of the show itself, I also had a little bit of a hard time trying to like, not necessarily follow what was going on, but like seeing what it wanted to do with itself. Like, did it want to be like an episodic kind of uh, do episodic storytelling like Hell Girl, for instance, or Mushishi? Um, did it have? Did it want to have a consistent plot, which it has a little bit, but that's not even freaking resolved by the end of it anyway. Where is the black-haired girl? Where like who is she? Where did like, who, is she real? Is she the weirdo girl at the end with the teeth? Where did she go? Why did like, I spend this whole series looking for the black-haired girl? And then I thought that maybe Glasses Coon was actually the black-haired girl in, like, the other dimension. And that was, like, teased, and then it never got resolved. It's one of those things where it's, like, you would need to have a season two on this. I don't want a season mm-hmm. two on this. I I will just, like, in my mind, it's episodic, like Hell Girl. <laughs> Yeah. And it's uh-huh. done. And I'm all yeah. right to move on to the next Yuri bait. If a sequel doesn't happen, then this is what we're going to be kind of stuck with, unfortunately. Which is a shame, because I do like some of the concepts and stuff that the series has. It's just that it didn't quite know what to do with its story. Like, if it wanted to have a through plot line, and it seemed like it wanted to, but it didn't really execute it very well. And then the episodic stuff, it was fine. It was nice. But because you still have that hint of like, oh... We're looking for Satsuki. Oh, there might be a hint of Satsuki, and then you still don't have it. Like, it, I kind of like me lukewarm story wise. That's the fault of the show, not the dub. I mean, it is the fault of the show, but like, if you're adapting it for an English audience, unless you're being totally watched 1000% by the Japanese company who made it, there should be some kind of coherence. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting there like me going, what the fuck is this? Like, That's literally, true. what the fuck is this? <laughs> and where is the kissing? <laughs> I didn't watch the Japanese, so I don't know if this is a close or oh, one-to-one yeah, translation no, or it's looser. Maybe, and- maybe Amon knows, considering it sounds like you watched the Japanese I did. It's a little looser, but it's not like they don't go too far afield of what's happening in the Japanese for the most part. Okay. Uh, usually you get usually you get things like they call the the big monster from the first episode kune kune which is its japanese term uh but of course kune kune is just the onomatopoeia for wiggling which is why they call it a wiggle waggle <laughs> the wiggle waggle the wiggle wiggle waggle <laughs> it's just it's just weird but like here's the other thing that i'm kind of like on the fence with the tone of this anime is so weird And so I was kind of expecting the tone of the dub to go a little more weird, but minus one character, like everyone sounded completely natural to me. Like they're like, oh yeah, I'm hanging out on the other side with a big giant gun. Guess I better shoot something. Oh yeah, I'm glasses coon over here. Oh, let me blush because the blonde girl complimented me. That's the only Yuri I'm going to get out of this, but it's fine. But it just like, I didn't get the level of, of weirdness 
out of the I characters. I got the level of weirdness more out of the urban legends themselves. Because some of them are kind of more absurd, and they do take the moments to, like, point out how really weird and absurd it is. I, I think part of it is I, I, I have not read enough of the novels to say, but I think a, a thing that I want to say might come up is that um, Sorowo and Toriko are kind of fucked up. They are! Uh, are they actually are! The, like, one, one of the moments I actually liked a lot about Madeline's performance is when she when Soroho, like, casually tells her backstory of, like, oh yeah, the rest of my family, like, joined a cult. Yeah! And they're dead now yeah. because they, the whole cult died in a fire I in the mountains. I forgot about that. And she just kind of says it, like, oh, that happened. Like, who, who among us has not had their whole family wiped out because they joined a cult, right? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and I, I think that I think there's a point in there that like Saro has not really dealt with a really horrible foundational trauma, and that's why she's like this. Yeah, Saro is a very odd, odd woman. Yeah, and, and she um, knows it. <laughs> yeah, and, Tor- and Toriko partially because she brings up like my family trained me. She actually reminds me of there's a. Uh, there's a very nice horror movie from about ten years ago called um, "Your Next," which is about like a house invasion. Oh, I like that movie. Uh, yeah, and the and the female lead in that, and basically when they kind of realize what's happening, she starts like setting up traps, and one of them's like, "How did you learn all to do this?" And she just looks him in the eye and kind of smiles like, "Oh, my parents are survivalists." <laughs> Let me just drop that knowledge bomb. Yeah, on and you. she just and she just it just moves right on, and it's like. And, like, Toriko's sort of military preparedness has that kind of vibe of, like, you probably lived a weird life that you haven't quite grappled with how weird it is yet, haven't you? See, that's, like, the tonal shift is just so odd for me. But this whole thing is odd. Like, I can't tell if it's, like, a really good shift because it's, this whole thing is weird. Like, what is the other thing that I watched where I have no idea what the fuck is happening. Just a bunch of shit happens and it's all fucking weird. And like the tone is so strange. Oh, Pink Flamingos by John Waters. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't even know what that is. But don't. I just like the laugh right there. Don't. I, I won't tell you the whole story of the first time I watched Pink Flamingos with John Waters. Uh, but it was a, a trauma I will never forget. Steph, Steph, do you want to do you want to see a movie starring the actress that inspired Ursula from The Little Mermaid? Oh boy! Do you want to see her eat dog shit? Are we talking figuratively or no? Like actually, no, no, literally, literally. Divine picked up a piece of dog shit and ate it on on camera. What? Divine does not fuck around. John Waters does not fuck around. No. Nope. You think oh, he's all no. fun and games with hairspray and Zach Efron? No, 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 no. Oh, no. <laughs> Say, I do know hairspray. So, <laughs> uh, this is okay. All right. We're just going to let that go. I would say educate <laughs> yourself, but eh. you're just like, it's not worth it. It's like when you're watching El Topo and you're like, I don't what? know who I am anymore. <laughs> Nobody's gonna Gigi, get these references, are... but maybe Amon and like possibly Patrick. You are naming a bunch of formative films of my fucked up youth. Okay, perfect. <laughs> then that makes me feel better about myself. I, I feel like we're unwittingly describing what what sort of person would get a kick out of this. Show. But I <laughs> well, okay, no, I don't like those movies, so maybe that's why I didn't like. Them. That's that's what. Like, there we go. I love. 
I, I haven't actually seen Pink Flamingos, but like, I love El Topo. That's very much my speed. Not a lot of other people's, because you've seen El Topo. You know what it's like. I had to stop watching it about 25 minutes in. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> you know what? Good good, good call. It wasn't getting any more fun I there. watched a like, documentary right about it, and I was like, I, I, I really want to watch this. Then I watched it for 25 minutes, and I was like, I'm out. Which is kind of like how I felt with this show. Oh my god. Can I just say, going back to this show, mm-hmm. the Please. whole weirdness and how slightly how Gigi feels about it at least it's a little self-aware because Kozakura is just like why the fuck are you even okay with this yeah that's true like Sarah Wiedenhev's character is like the fuck is wrong with you two again this was a weird tone for Sarah Wiedenhev too that I wasn't used to so yeah I just I didn't I didn't hear her at all in this because I'm used to her in Tata Never Falls in Love. Oh, true. Like, I would say it's a, just a slight, like, maybe, like, not, not not an octave down. What's the what's the musical freak term I'm using here? Um, it, it's, like, one level down. Just a, just a touch. But also, like, Kazakura is just <laughs> fucking hates everything. <laughs> She's so angry. She's so angry. Like, Sarah probably gives one of my favorite performances just because she's so mad that she has to deal with this stupid yeah. bullshit and can't just stay at home like she wants to. And then there's fucking Toriko and Sa- Sama'o who, in a drunken stupor one night, decide, let's buy an A1 farming machine. Yeah, what the fuck ship was is that about? For funsies, she got so pissed. Why? What, I, why? I don't know, because I thought it was a good idea at the time when they were drunk. What a, a a stupid thing I enjoy about this show is this kind of goes a little into the territory of, like, you know, the cute girls doing things show. But I appreciate that it's like, no, these people are, like, in college and adults. Yeah. I wish... And capable of just doing really dumb shit yep. because they have the money and power to. I wish I yeah. could have seen them get drunk and buy farm equipment. Because, like, I would have been all about that anime. Just show me the girls <laughs> getting drunk. Like, the, the anime where all the girls do is get drunk. That it's on high dive. Time. Oh, <laughs> no one is surprised. Where does all the garbage go? High dive. <laughs> Bless you, high dive. I love high dive. Bless you. I fucking high love dive. them. Bless you. But no, like it at least has a little bit of like awareness of it, of the, our two leads being really really fucked up <laughs> because you have Kazakura basically who's like seriously. You're really going back there? Are you stupid? <laughs> but she's the one who's paying them to do it. Right. Uh, I mean, she just, she benefits from it, sure. But at the same time, it's like, are you fucking, like, the fact that they're so calm about it half the time, it's just like, the fuck is wrong with you? You're going into a really scary ass place. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then freaking Sarao actually in the beginning was very hesitant on going back too. Actually, I remember her. I remember her being a bit hesitant when she when Toriko was just trying to keep dragging her back in. <laughs> so she kind of has that, but uh, uh, over time, it's just like, eh, I'm here now. I'll go. It's fine. But in the beginning, 
Sorowell was kind of like, what if I just stop breathing here on the other side? Like, what right. will happen to me in the real world? And right. so, like, I went into this anime thinking, oh, okay, so they're going to fall in love and it's going to be great. And she's going to, like, want to live her life again and everything will be sunshine and roses. And instead, I'm treated to creepy ghosts and elevators and a giant eyeball. <laughs> I, I feel like that is probably the end goal, but I, I think there are, there are at least like six or seven volumes of this out already. So not like, good. We're not there. Gigi's like, I quit. <laughs> I I feel like part of your enjoyment of the show is probably also going to hinge on like, do you like, do you enjoy this kind of horror fiction in the first place? Yeah, that's true. Like, is this your like, kind I'd, of speed? Yeah. I'm like, are you the kind of person where when they you're like, oh, we're at station February and they get there and like, this isn't station February. This is Kitsuragi Station. You're like, yeah! Because you know what that is. I don't know what that is, so I was very confused. Are you are you familiar with that urban legend that's like uh, someone's getting a harassing phone call while babysitting, and it turns out the call's going from inside the yeah. house? This is like, uh, in, in terms of like Japanese urban legends, this is like that tier of like, everyone knows what that is. Okay, so what is it? Uh, basically, like, a, a, I think it's a woman is, like, posting to some image board that, like, I was taking the train home and it stopped at a station that I don't know where I am. And it's, like, this mystery station that doesn't exist. And she, like, gets oh. off and is, like, harassed. And, like, like weird people, like, harass her. And I don't know if it actually establishes she ever, like, leaves. It's just, like, she stops posting. That makes hmm. way more sense now. Yeah. I think maybe like part of my disassociating myself from this was that I literally had, I don't get any of these references and you know me, I love me a good reference. Oh, I yeah. get them. Look I at that Chippendale Rescue Rangers trailer. I was like, that's MC <laughs> Scat Cat. Holy shit. Paula Abdul's in the DJ booth. <laughs> I did. Um, Cause you sent us the list ahead of time. Um, and there was that link to, um, mm-hmm. Koobana. Thank you, Koobana. And uh, they do have... I did look at it, and they have, like, the brief mentions of what these stories are. Uh, and they go through the episodes of the show and kind of briefly, really briefly explain, like, the urban legends and the creepypastas involved in it. I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I didn't I'm like, this that. is weird shit. The weirdest, most random thing, though, is the ninja cats. <laughs> okay, but that was the best part of the show. That was the best part of the show. Can anyone like, just, disagree that the so ninja cats silly. episode and the episode after it with the teeth were, like, the best parts of the show? Oh, 100%. They were amazing. Can anyone disagree with me that Amelie is the best performance in this dub? I will disagree with you. However, I, she is up there. I, I'll, I'll disagree. That does not mean she's not great. Exactly. Like she's delight. She is delightful. Amelie is a delight. Let's, Patrick. Let's, let's let's talk. Let's talk about Amelie. Patrick. <laughs> she she's like Patrick. Here, yeah. What what do you what do you think's the best performance? Um. Honestly, I'm gonna say um. Uh, I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh, Chris Guerrero. Honestly. Ooh. All right. Tell, tell us about it. like um. I, I like the leads, but it's honestly, like, um, he is the guy who's trying to keep a bunch of, um, bunch of, like, military people who are supposed to be, like, ready in a second, calm, cool, collected. They're all losing their shit. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they they lost their, their, like, rover dog, and it turned into some monster with corpses hanging off of it. Yeah, that wasn't pretty. <laughs> And they're getting harassed by some sort of monster train. 
And like, left and right, they're going nuts and just kind of dropping dead. And this guy is just trying to keep everybody calm enough to get the fuck out of there as soon as they can. Like, that's... It's something I can appreciate with it. And, um... Actually, the military... The military base arcs... Like, those were kind of my favorite of the, um... Of the series, because it actually kind of set up a coherent narrative that passed through the season. Yes, I, I can right. agree with that. It had a really good, like, through narrative or, like, actual arc. Like, don't get me wrong. I I love the sort of, um, the Monster of the Week episodes. Those were, in terms of, like, horror shows like this, you know, like, Garo the Animation and... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I tend to like the sort of one-off, you get a little bit of character development, but in general, like, things are mostly static. Yeah. But then it's those kind of two or three episode arcs that they stick in seasons where, you know, there are actual stakes. Where you actually feel like people who are not the main characters are in legitimate danger. Yeah. Because, mm. I mean, you know the main characters are going to have plot armor. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very true. They're, they're, they're not going to kill the cute blonde lady. Yeah. It's very true. It's a fact. And if they do, and if they did, people would rage. <laughs> I mean, if they did, like, that would be, that would be kind of a game changer moment in the show, but. Mm. Right. Right, right. Fans would still be mad, though. <laughs> I mean, I have respect when a show is willing to kill off a main character, but yeah. I didn't expect it. <laughs> Akudama here. Drive. Don't spoil it. <laughs> Nobody survives. But uh, where was I going with this? Um, oh, Chris Guerrero and um, Z. Charles Bolton and uh, Billy Comets. Um, they were, they were great. Um, actually, Billy Comets as well as sort of the, the guy who's starting to go paranoid. Mm, yep. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, you can start to see the madness of the other side start to creep into his voice. Um, and then he's... Also, I love the whole thing with the train where... In order to get on it, they had to, um... They had to get Toriko's hand in just the right place at just the right time. Yeah. To grab on to, mm -hmm. like, whatever it was that was holding the portal. You know, I also just really like the dynamic of how, um... Sorao and, uh, Toriko's powers kind of mesh hand in hand. Yeah, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a very nice touch. Like, neither... Neither of them can completely do anything about the monsters unless they're together, because Soro is able to see the true form, but it's Toriko who has the ability to actually interact with it. Mm-hmm. So it... You know, I'm going to go off on another quick tangent here. Um, there's, all, there's, like, a one-off story arc that they sometimes do in, like, TV shows that I really... I absolutely adore... Yeah. And it's, um, you know, something happens to one character and they break, like, a leg. Uh, and then another character at the same time and they're 
like, temporarily blinded. So they both have to use the ability that they have. Like, one can walk, one can see. And they both have to survive in a completely kind of stressful situation. Get to the end of, like, whatever you're doing. Like, one has to carry the other, and the other has to see for the other. Okay. Like, hmm. they, they did it in, like, a Star Trek episode. Um, and it, it ended up being a trope in, like, a whole bunch of other ones. Like, I really love those because it actually... Like, that kind of thing really deepens character dynamics. And I feel like that was... Kind of how they develop Sorawo and Toriko. If I'm, I'm like, making any sense right now. I get you 1,000%. No, 100%, yeah. I'm thinking about that story where, like, the guy buys his girlfriend, like, a hair ribbon for Christmas, but, like, couldn't afford it, so he, like, sells something, and then... He sells a pocket watch, and then, like, the girl sells her hair for, like... Yeah. For, like, a... a, Some sort of um, watch winding thing. I don't know what they use. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. I get you. (laughs) See, I may not know creepypastas, but I know dumb stories. Yeah. We both know our dumb movie tropes. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why you're both here. (laughs) Exactly. No, I was here because I was promised a picnic, but whatever. (laughs) She's gonna be stuck we on that. We were promised lesbians. Damn it! I was promised lesbians <laughs> and cheese, and, and I didn't cheese. eat her. Oh god! There, there's some cheese, but not. You wanted actual <laughs> cheese, not thematic cheese. Oh god! Speaking of cheese. Also, while we're kind of on the the whole um, on the 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 kind of sort of lesbian thing, like. Mm-hmm. I, I really like Akari and Ichikawa. Mm-hmm. Like, I I think um, Ichikawa really just kind of had one episode, but then um, with the with the weird monkey and the old lady with the teeth. Yeah, but that was such they their dynamic was so good. Yes, I I loved at the very end of the episode where it was just them repeating their pet the pet names they had for each other. I mean, it's not the best Yuri, but you know, it's something. Was more. It's very cute. Was more. I loved, I loved that. I wish there were more. Yeah, I'll be, I'll rewatching this. I actually forgot that Ichikawa is only in one episode. I thought she was in, I actually thought both of them were in a few more episodes than they are. I was watching that when I was making dinner last night. So I was like in between the kitchen and the TV, like, is my water going to boil or (laughs) can I I watch more of this monkey teeth? Like, what can I do right now? But it was like, that was a good episode. Any, okay. So like cheese the higurashi cheese level of (laughs) amelie's character is is kind of what i wanted from everyone through the whole show and i didn't get it but i was her character wasn't that cheesy though i'm not saying like super cheesy she went crazy she went higurashi crazy like 
Okay, yes. Like that was fun. Like literally that performance was great. Okay. And like actually while we're on the subject of that moment where she kind of went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um did it feel like Sorolo had anything to do with that like Oh, she 100% did. Yeah. She okay. 100% had everything to do with I, that. I felt like I missed something where she said, like, you have influence over it, and then she's able to beat it up. So, the first time it, this whole thing popped up was during the Ninja Cat thing, where Sarao kind of accidentally put in, like, some sort of influence in Akari, uh, and then... For shits and giggles in the next episode, she's like, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And then she basically put that influence back on her. And basically the eye power that she has from the other side, yes, is 100% the reason why that happened. (laughs) Okay. If we get a season two, I hope they kind of explain that a little better. It's not explained very well, if at all. But yes, 100% Sada-O and her magical mystical eye powers had 100% something to do with what happened. Okay. Really? Because I was no, yeah. very confused. 100%. I thought it was just because they were, like, hot for each other. And she no. really wanted to impress her with her fly ninja skills. Nope. And then it got, like, bloody violent, like, horror movie weird. Nope. Nope. Oh. It's just other side stuff. Oh. Yeah, I think I think I think Akari wants to impress everybody with her kung fu. I like not not just the people she loves. Well, I felt that like I don't know, and I wish this got explained more. But throughout the latter half of the show, they were all saying how Sora Wo reminded them of the black-haired lady who they're looking for through the whole show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, uh-huh. okay, so maybe she actually is the black-haired lady, and she's like putting this influence. Like, over everybody, just with her, like, charisma, but it's, like, the deadpan charisma. I don't really know how to explain it. I feel like you might be onto something still. Like, I really think that they're connected somehow, or that they're possibly, like, each other. I don't know. Yeah. But it it's a plot thread that never got resolved and won't, but... Yeah. I, I don't know. I enjoyed the little the little thing she had with the ninja cat girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I, ninja- so I haven't heard the new dub for Higurashi yet. I've only heard the old dub and I'm the only person who fucking likes the old dubs. Come at me. Because Grant, what's his name, isn't it? And I love Grant him. George. Yeah. So anyway. My dad is pretty good though. As um fuck's his name i'm sure he is i just haven't seen it yet because i wanted to rewatch the whole series before i started the new one and that never happened so i still haven't seen it anyway but i love the switch like the crazy switch like like you can see it visually but it it's so much better when you can hear it and you can hear it in a language that you can understand without reading Mm -hmm. subtitles Oh it's a God. very seamless transition that Amelie pulls off. That was that was probably like my favorite part of the whole dub. 
just to hear like the Higurashi switch. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you haven't seen Higurashi, there are moments when like a very moe cute character will suddenly turn very maniacal or very violent or very, very manic. Mm-hmm. But I just, I love that, that switch. And it's one thing to hear it in Japanese because if you're a sub listener, you're so conditioned to hear like this soft tone voice and then yeah. suddenly make it go like super crazy. Um, like if you've played the first book of Twisted Wonderland, there's a moment where that happens and my blood ran cold. But this is different because it's in English and I didn't have to read the subtitles to understand it. So you get like that whole other sense of, holy shit, she's going to murder somebody. Yep. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's very believable in the in the switch to like calm, spunky Akari to freaking crazed Akari was like, it was night and day, but it was very good night and day. <laughs> it was very good acting. Yes. It was a nice contrast between, like, the flatness of Sora. Well, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. Just, like, she's a very deadpan kind of low-toned character, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to what's going on in Akari's head. And I liked her girlfriend, too. Like, that is a ship yeah. I can get behind. That were, is 100% a ship I get Were behind. they even dating? I don't care. They're dating in my head. Where's the fanfic? They, they, Not to me, I, definitely wants to be da- dating. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, 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 like. See, I think Amelie and Amelie and Michelle do a really good job of really selling that relationship, yes. even though they are they are on screen for an episode. Right. Like, they're really yeah. good at that. It's so cute. But it's memorable, and that's the it's most important memorable. part. Like, like, there's so like in an anime where so many weird things happen. What is the most memorable thing that you can think of? And when you think of Amelie going crazy (laughs) and monkey teeth, as opposed to like the giant midnight meat train (laughs) with the army shooting at it. I mean, for me, it's it's Ninja Cats. And the tank. (laughs) The Ninja Cats also memorable. Ninja Cats are a good one. I don't know. Uh, Patrick, going back to what you were saying about the army guys. Um... Billy Kometz, right, played the one that eventually died, correct? Yes. Correct. Yep. Yes. Um I could hear I could hear like the the nuances creeping up in his voice that were getting towards like the ochery levels of it. Which I was like, yeah, he's not he's not gonna be too long for this world, or he's gonna become a monster. Either way would have been alright with me. Um and then, God, I feel so bad because I spent the whole time thinking of the guy in the helmet who had the really mismatched hair color when he took it off was Alejandro Saab sounding weird. <laughs> and I was like, is that him? And I asked Chris and I was like, is that him? That's not him. And he's like, I don't think so. And I was like, but it kind of sounds like him. Like <laughs> The weird thing about Zach Bolton is um, he sounds very, very similar to a lot of different actors, but not. Not completely. Wait, that's Zach Bolton. Is he credited as something else? Or he he's he's credited as Z Charles Bolton, but it's Zach Bolton. Okay. Yeah. I was a little confused. 
Sorry. Yeah, I think Z Charles Bolton is the name he uses when he's an actor, and then yep, when he's a director, he uses Zach Bolton. Okay, Something like that, that makes a little more sense now. As a, as a side note, Zach Bolton, I miss you as a director. You're a fun director. What did Zach Bolton direct? Uh, Psychopaths, I believe. Didn't Death watch Parade. it. Yeah, he okay. did a bunch of the really, really bunch. early simul dubs. Yeah, he did. I think I remember talking about him on something. I don't know. You you also would have talked to him as teen talked about him as teenage hawk in Yon of the Dawn. Don't remember. He was your favorite hawk. Was he? Yes, he was. <laughs> Shows you how much I remember Yon of the Dawn. <laughs> Steph, Steph, that was like two hundred episodes ago. We can't be expected to remember. Look, everything I don't know what happened about. yesterday. Um, listen, it's been, it's been an interesting few years. All right. <laughs> We're old now. <laughs> We're old farts. God. I have a mortgage. Oh my God. <laughs> I have a cat. I have a side I, I, hustle. Oh, she's, sc- she's becoming a QVC hostess. <laughs> I am. I've decided that I think my passion through all of these podcast episodes was really to, just be on the Weeb Shopping Network and sell you guys <laughs> shit. Are you buying what I'm selling? No. Yeah. Back back to the picnic and the army men, <laughs> I guess. I I really I probably should go back and watch this in Japanese because I think they were speaking English. Yes. <laughs> was it good yes, English? Anytime there was Japanese subtitles, it, it it they probably would have talked English. It's it I remember it being like okay. It's not, it's not, um... Was it Beck Mongolian Chop Squad English? No, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of, um... Who's the douchebag from Evangelion? Like, like, Misato's, like, I don't know, I don't watch that shit. Oh, that guy. The robot Shinji, I'm so fucked up. I'm thinking thinking of the part from the beginning of the second rebuild movie where it starts out passable and quickly descends into complete gibberish. Who's better than that? (laughs) It was, like, it was, like, fine, like... As a native speaker, it did not sound very convincing. I'm sure it was perfectly fine if you're not used to hearing people talk in English all the time. It was like, okay. Which I'm surprised about because they have, like, anime has brought in, like, expat actors. They're not great, but... Well, I'm not surprised. Now I'm trying to remember, was it that it was just, like, just sort of, like, middling acting or middling, like speaking i don't remember anymore mm. unfortunately I, wa- I watched this when it was coming out which is now like a year ago i think Oof. maybe more gotcha yeah. a while ago yeah we're old yeah yep. <laughs> back to us being old um <laughs> oh I, I i don't know i wish kind of like the directorial choice maybe would have been to have them speak in a different language but that's just me being picky again maybe they all could have had canadian accents <laughs> I mean, I mean, because this, the whole Japanese speaking English thing isn't an uncommon thing that anime will do. So it's, it's hard when you translate that into English, how you can make that work. You know what I mean? I mean, I've seen it done before. Like sometimes they talk in a Southern accent. That seems to be a trope. Sometimes they have I've a little never European seen that before. accent. It's... Oh, really? I've seen no. it all the time. Um, I've, I've, I've seen that as a replacement for, like, the Osaka accent. Yes, the it's... Osaka dialect is, y'all... That's why that's why Osaka and Azumanga is from Texas. <laughs> wow, that's a great joke. 
I've never not. seen Azumanga. Me neither. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I'm being picky now because I want to make jokes. I mean, jokes are fun. I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very serviceable dub for a show that's very freaking weird. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, everything is fine. It's very serviceable. It's a fine dub. I think everybody did a really good job at everything that they did. And I like that it was a little bit different. I just, I, like, I wanted it to be even more different. From the sound of it, like... The dub is good to you. The show was just not in your wheelhouse, like, at all. Oh, no. I hated this. <laughs> I didn't hate it as much as that other show I hated. Which which one was that? Uh, Cells at Work. I really hated Cells oh, at Work. Oh, Oh. That was a doozy. What was that other oh, show I hated? not a GG show at all. Yeah, I don't know why I was on that episode. I think I got asked to be on it. I can't yeah, turn down were. anybody that asked me for anything. You were. Can I, can I just make a note of... Of, um, because we've mm-hmm. talked about like performances, we've talked about uh, directing a tiny bit. Can we just say that the script, even though, like, <laughs> even though it had a little bit of like constraints with like some story and stuff like that, it did have some fun little one liners in there? <laughs> oh, did like, it? in terms of script mm-hmm. writing, like, this was actually kind of pitch perfect for like a horror semi comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Like there was um I wrote I only wrote a couple of fun notable lines down, but there was a hand check moment. <laughs> oh, okay. I do remember that. There was a hand check moment. There was in the Ninja Cats episode, someone exclaimed, I think it was Sara Oh, what the catnip. <laughs> <laughs> like there was some fun little one-liner moments that were just so enjoyable <laughs> and kind of helped bring some of the more absurdist absurdism into the show Mm -hmm. (laughs) like when it gets like really super serious and like really really super scary like the whole pale horse battalion thing and all that fun stuff it doesn't put in too many like jokes or one-liners in there but with ninja cats (laughs) for instance exclaiming what the catnip fits wonderfully (laughs) with the absurdity that is ninja cats and i was just uh i i I really did enjoy some of those one-liners that leah and maddie threw in there it was great can you guys tell that stuff has a cat (laughs) she's the crazy cat lady now who laughs at the cat jokes Listen, Look, if, even, if, if, even if I didn't have a cat, I would still laugh at the cat jokes, Gigi. Let's be real. I mean, I've laughed over Meowabunga. Let's not, <laughs> let's okay. not split hairs here. <laughs> what <was I> say? <laughs> no, it's it does our, tend to good. have some fun one-liners. It was, it, it was great. I loved you know, it. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't as static as mm-hmm. it could have been. Right. No, I, I, I think they had a good sense of where they could punch up without having right. conflict with the, you know, you know, you're in, you're in like, you know, the sort of the military conflict stuff. Like, that's not quite the place for it. But it's like, oh, this is a comedy episode. It's like, oh, this is very absurd. <laughs> or even just, like, I just like the bit where, like, they're on the beach in the other side and Toriko's trying to think of something to do and she just keeps listing thing off and Soro's like, we don't have any of that. It's like, nope. We can't do any of those things. And then Sonos just about? like, hey, how about we shoot guns? It's like, okay. Like, That's perfect I think to the, do on a beach. 
I think the good part of when they sort of deviated in the script writing is, um... Like, they use it to break moments of tension. Yes. But, um, they're also very strategic with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed it a lot more when it was just, uh, Sorrow and, uh, Toriko together. Yeah. And, actually, a lot of it was also Kazakura as well. <laughs> like... <laughs> It feels like Kozakura's entire purpose for being in the show was basically to be the punching bag for Soro and Toriko. Man, one of my favorite moments of this show is the one where they're all supposed to be going to barbecue, and she runs right into that elevator yep. and is so excited, and it's like, um... Oops! <laughs> Sorry! It's like, you're here now! <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, you're out. Well, you're here. Well, so. we gotta push the buttons. We gotta, we gotta go. <laughs> push. We, we gotta, gotta go in you don't like. You could have not come into the elevator with us. You could have just stayed out there. And <laughs> meet up with what? us later. What What was that? Oh, there's a monster on the fifth floor. We don't know what it is. <laughs> it's. It tries to get in, and we haven't let it get in. Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> oh my god, I just had the realization Kozakura is the Squidward of the group. Oh my god! <laughs> like, oh no! Soromo oh and no! Toriko continue to drag her into situations she doesn't like. Oh um, she ends up in the better forum, but at the same time she is absolutely miserable about it. God. And in the end, I she can't get it. rid of Soro and Toriko because she actually, somewhere deep down, likes them. I hate you for this, because you're right. <coughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, when cinematic parallels get <laughs> Man, I bring up El Topo. This bitch brings up Squidward and you were the SpongeBob one SquarePants, right? That's yes. Bringing up El Topo is a Patrick thing. <laughs> Every, everything's topsy turvy on the other side. Picnic episode. <laughs> I did go to film school for a whole year. Just another day in the office, the ladies and gentlemen. Brought up divine eating dog shit. Again, I went to film school for That's a whole a year. Thing. There's a reason I dropped out. <laughs> I was going was it to go to film school. Dog and then my brother went to film school. <laughs> oh my oh. god. I mean, they uh. showed us fucking assault on Precinct 13 and like a film history class. Not the old one, the remake. Wait, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, why? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was aesthetics. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I knew I wasn't meant to be in film school when I literally fell asleep through every single movie I had to watch in every single class, except for The Bicycle Thief, <laughs> which is like the most boring movie ever made. And I was like riveted. I was like, is that bitch going to get his bike back? Is he going to get his bike back? It's in fucking Italian. And I'm like, oh, buongiorno, going to get the bike back? <laughs> oh, my God. 
spoiler, doesn't it? And like fucking other side picnic where he, we don't know if he gets his fucking point. <laughs> I think you're correct. <laughs> we don't know if the lesbians are ever gonna kiss. Look, guys, I just connected the bicycle thief to other side picnic. <laughs> fucking quit. <laughs> Buongiorno. Buongiorno. I want my bike back, bitch. I'm going home. <laughs> Sucks to be you. I work from home and live from home. I never leave my oh, home. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's, that's a lonely existence, Gigi. I, I live on a lonely island. <laughs> a, me and Andy Samper. I'm on a boat. Jason Bowie's motherfucker. I must not be floppies. There's a dolphin. <laughs> Oh yeah, on a motherfucking boat. Breathe anymore? Fuck! Oh god, I'm ready to talk about final thoughts. Can I just before 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 go go ahead, Steph? As I'm trying to catch my breath, can I just say because can we just take a minute to really talk more about Maddie and Emily because these two are the crux of the show. Yes. They are like the ones that carry the show. And they have to have like a really solid dynamic as well with each other. Because if you don't have that solid dynamic, that, sh- that ship ain't going anywhere. It ain't, it ain't sailing nowhere uh, in this weird, creepy pasta world. <laughs> um, and personally, I actually really love the dynamic. Because you have you have Maddie's Sada'o, who is... I, I would like to think she's a bit more grounded, even a, a bit more grounded in reality to an extent. Um, but also, also is very self-aware of herself and she kind of puts herself down. She's not that very confident, at least starting out. And then you have Emily Storico, who is kind of bright, bubbly, very fun-loving and she's like, yeah, let's go. We gotta go. We're, we're, we're gonna go to the other side. We're gonna go find Satsuki, even though we will never fucking see her. Um, and it's a fun, interesting dynamic. Because you have Toriko and Emily Neves, who brings out the confidence and fun-loving side of Madeline Morris's, Morris's um, Sada'o. And Sada'o also helps keep... Um, Toriko and Emily Neves' portrayal of her are a bit more grounded in reality on occasion. Because Toriko will just go wandering off la-di-da-di-da. And just get her ass into trouble half the time. Without Sodao being there. I really like the dynamic between Madeline Morris and Emily Neves. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think they did carry the show rather well. Especially with them being the two consistent characters throughout the whole show yeah no they're they're a great double act like they play off each other so oh, well yeah. um i feel like we haven't we haven't talked about emily as much and i want to give her credit for just uh, i completely understand why sara o continue especially in the beginning just continues to agree to go on these excursions with toriko even though she clearly doesn't want to be here right She's so good at making Toriko feel just, like, fun and welcoming and just, like, the exact kind of person that Sora probably needs in her life, given that she seems to have... Oh, this isn't... So this is... This actually isn't in the... I don't think this is... I can't remember if this is in the anime, but in the book, when they're... Basically, it opens with her, like, lying in the water. Yeah. And she actually has a whole bit where she thinks about... Ooh, 
will notice that I'm dead if I die here. Yeah, that yeah, was that in the was anime. In the yeah, like, like I guess the loan office will notice when I stop paying things. Huh. And, like, I, it's, it's like, they're, they're, yeah, like you're saying, to, to also ra- uh, loop in uh, what Patrick was telling earlier about how they, like, you know, their powers complement each other. Like, their personalities do that oh, as absolutely. well. Oh, absolutely. Madeline, yeah. Madeline and Emily just, they do a really good job of making these two feel like, yeah, this is a good double pair. Like, these, these two feel made for going on stupid, possibly fatal And honestly, together. the both of them just kind of feel, they kind of feel in a way that complement each other really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because then you also have the the backstory Sororo presented where, like, I can't remember if um, her parents were arrested as part of a cult or if they were in, like, um, some sort of group suicide event. It's, I mean, it, I mean, there, it, my recollection is it just established, like, there was a fire in the mountains and they're dead. And it's not, I don't think it's quite established whether it was, like, suicide accident what have you but uh that's that's pretty fucked up yeah i would watch that anime it sounds like a lifetime movie (laughs) kind of does weirdly enough and i also coming from map of films heaven's gate the anime yeah and i i like that like emily neves sort of gave off that really nice warm welcoming energy and Let's be real, the only straight thing about Sororo is her role in the show, which is straight man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I peaked real bad. <laughs> it's true. Like, oh, especially, especially toward, like, the last couple of episodes, girl, you gay. <laughs> girl, you gay. Who you kidding? <laughs> Bitch, you gay. There's that. There's that. I was. I rewatched the second episode in preparation for this today, and there's that bit where like Lady Hakusho is fooling you, and it's like, well, she used that guy's love of his wife to fool her. I don't like anyone enough for that to happen to me, and it's like, and it's lady. fucking Toriko like, that she uses. Lady. <laughs> like, my my dude. <laughs> Sato, my dude. Like, my dude. Like, I get it. I get it. You feel you feel very isolated. You the you you probably feel like you know just that kind of relationship is beyond you now. But come now. Oh lordy. Come now. It's great. I for all the shit that I'm giving this anime for not being Yuri enough. Like at least they didn't like make some weird deal out of their leads being lesbians. Like a lot of BL does or a lot of, you know, other things do like, oh, no, am I gay? Am I actually gay? No, they just go for it, which is something I really loved about uh, Kazai-san and Morning Glories, too, Mm -hmm. which is like they don't shy away from it. Unfortunately, it's like, like I said, where's the Yuri in this show? (laughs) But at least they they try. That's the show's fault, though. That's not the dub's fault. I'm sure it's the slow burn shit that I hate. I'm about to but... say, it feels to me like they're trying to do it as like a slow build mm-hmm. for an actual romance rather than the yeah. instant trash fire that you usually love. Which is fine. It's fine, but yeah. I, like, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that it, it didn't shy away no. from it or be like, oh, no, it's bad to be a lesbian. Like, I can't like girls. Oh, no. I'm glad they did not do that. Oh. Like that, oh, that would have 
probably that was a good uh, point that yeah the writing. yeah I, I like like i like the horror stuff in this so i feel like if it went that route have been like eh, yeah this is like 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 the reason i like i i often don't watch a lot of eerie shows and that's because i get the feeling a lot of them go that route enough that it's like yeah right, whatever so some of the yeah, some of the older the... ones definitely do that mm-hmm. um a lot of the newer ones like i haven't seen kasai san but um Kasai-san is a really good example of how well mm-hmm. it is. And then on a similar note in terms of realistic LGBT romances, Stranger by the Shore is another mm-hmm. really good example um, of, like, actual natural, like, romance for, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a like, very good example of that, too. Like, I'm gonna be real, a lot, a lot of Yuri just kind of descends into that sort of squicky fetishy territory and it's just mm. yeah it can it does it does that quite often but nowadays you like, get the the occasional good ones like this yeah like my first to exposure to yuri was um sakura trick and i dropped that i didn't watch i dropped that after a couple episodes honestly like the camera goes in very skeevy places. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It was cute at like, first. It, yeah, and it's then cute they got at times, weird. but then it's like, then it's yeah, like, they are oh. definitely like. This just got weird, and then it got cute, and then it got weird <laughs> Basically. again. And then it got weird again. <laughs> where is where is that camera going? Does does it getting weird and then getting and then getting cute? Is that in of itself getting weird? A little, yeah, probably. Yes. Probably. Uh, mm. I, again, I dropped it after a couple episodes. Honestly, I feel like if this were like a twenty-four episode show, which continued a little further and like developed the relationship of Toriko yeah. and Sorowo, mm. like that would have been. Oh, where was I going? What's it? Uh. It, it would have had more time to develop. Yeah, if it mm-hmm. like if it had like actual time to develop sort of that that relationship that seems to be starting to blossom in the very last like yeah. episode or two, mm-hmm. like that that would have been nice. But like, I feel like where they are in terms of where the show ended with it, like it felt natural. I guess. Yeah. For a, yeah. for a very yeah. unnatural show as this, well, and that's and that's where it needed to be exactly. tonal wise. Tonal wise, absolutely. In, instead, it would have been just like really unbelievable and and weird. Yeah. Not not yeah. weird in the weird in the other side. Weird, weird, and I don't want to be here. Weird, weird in the squicky mm-hmm. way. Yeah. yeah. Weird in the sock wow, I haven't heard way. that word in forever. God, I'm getting a lot of flashbacks now. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's okay. But bottom line, I love the dynamic that Madeline Morris and Emily Nees have. Absolutely. You always, yeah, you always Mm. need to have like the low toned kind of serious deadpan glasses coon with the bubbly. I'm here, cheerleader, blonde girl. Mm. It's a good dynamic. And their voices matched it which again was why i was so shocked when i heard that it was madeline morris out of sorowo because i'm not used to hearing her like that so i'm down for maddie using her natural voice more often i'll say that much i'm 
Big girl Maddie, let's go. Actually, Gigi. Come on, on Funimation, find some roles. You you brought up a really interesting point there um, that I kind of want to wrap my stuff up with. Um, One thing I really liked about Emily Neves is Toriko. Mm -hmm. She plays Toriko as kind of ditzy, but she is absolutely not stupid at all. Oh, no. Toriko is not an idiot. Toriko is very world smart when it comes to the other world. Like, she knows enough to keep herself alive. She's been there at least a handful of times before she made yeah. Soro. And, like, yeah, she she has a nice bubbly personality, but at the same time, like, she's not sort of the damsel in distress that has to be rescued all the damn time. Oh, no. If anything, no. she rescues nope. Soro quite a bit. <laughs> Like, like, Toriko doesn't have the most amount of common sense about things, which is fine. Soto has more common sense than Toriko does. But she has the survival instincts. Right. She she knows how to take care of herself. Yeah. 100% she does. And I like it. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, did, we, did anyone want to mention anything about Christopher Wakeham's character? Oh, oh shit. Oh, my God, we forgot. <laughs> Hi, Daddy. <laughs> um, you know, sort of Chris. like Billy Comets, um, mm-hmm. I actually love the fact that you can actually, like, over the course of his episode, feel the madness creep in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just sort of, uh, we, we, we first think it's Toriko and um, Abarato who are falling for... Um, Lady Hashiku's like craziness and malarkey, but we learn it's like we mentioned before, it's actually Sadao and not Toriko. <laughs> but by the time Sadao gets snapped out of it by Toriko, Abarato's just like done. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's already gone, gone by that point. He's gone. He's a lost cause. Like, didn't he already get sucked into the like the weird creature I portal? So. I believe so. Yeah. By that point, I think so. I think we saw it when Sadao was under Lady Hashiku's influence, I believe. But then when she got snapped out of it, he was already gone. So I could be misremembering. It's been a minute since no, I watched I, that episode. I, I, I believe I believe that's what happens because yeah. part of the reason part of the reason part of the reason Soro is more distressed is because she's worried it's going to happen to Toriko, even though that's that's not how it's going to play out, man. Yup. <laughs> yep. Whoops. Oops. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Soro. Well, your your lesbianism was used against you. It's, it's very tragic. I apologize. <laughs> Whoops. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah. I I agree. Chris is good here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, 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 good one-off character. Yeah. Is there anything that Chris is not good in? I'm I'm sure he's been in the dub for just a real garbage show that didn't give him anything to work oh. with. Or he's technically and not you great. know but he like, also had to kind of start somewhere, and he was probably kind of rough as he was also learning true. the process. Yeah. So also true. So in that in that like you know no one's first role is their is their best work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now though, like. I, I certainly haven't heard a bad Christopher Blake camera. I mean, we literally just talked about it two days ago in Redacted. Yeah. So much Redacted. 
Are we still doing that? Why Why are we redacting? Because I literally I just know. recorded it two, two days it. ago, and I don't know Let's what order real. they're getting released in. Well, I, I, I find it likely you'll probably be done first. All right, it's Sunny Boy. About to say, I feel yeah. like Sunny Boy will be out before this is. Let's be real. It's Sunny Boy. Oh, he has to play a dog. He's a dog. He's a talking he's a big, dog. He's a big, fluffy dog. Big, fluffy I love dogs. Doggo. <laughs> all right. Doggo all daddy. Right, saying? All right. Doggo daddy. Doggo daddy. Oh, no. <laughs> Doggo daddy. Like, Gigi, I don't know if you would like Sunny Boy, but you would <laughs> like the episode Chris Waycamp is kind of the lead in. Mm-hmm. I watched like five minutes of it and I was like, I can't watch this art style, so I'm gonna not watch it. Gotcha. It's a bit of a trip. It is a bit of a trip. It's like ping pong. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't care how good it is. I just can't force myself to watch it. That's fair. Oh. So, yeah, sorry, Chris. He did good. All right, guys. Um, I'm kind of hungry. Does, oh, yeah. d- no, does um, anybody have any other picnic tips? Yeah. We need some beer. Is, uh, is, are there any other individual roles anyone would like to talk a little more about? I don't think so. I think we've more or less covered it, because anything else is, like, bit parts that have, like, only, like, a minute or two of screen time. I have a, yeah. I have a note. Michelle Lee Gorar. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the extent right, of it. That- I mean, there you go. Creature Apparently this is why good. Steph Everybody gets you- all the Patreon money. <laughs> Everybody who made a creature noise in that show, you rar. get a thumbs up. Yes. Yep. Rar. $30 to everyone who made a noise. <laughs> $30 an hour. <laughs> all right. Secure that in bag. That, in that case, in that case, let us let us go to final thoughts. And uh, uh, Steph, why don't, why don't you start us okay. off? Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh man, doing the- this is a weird format we're doing. I'm new to this. I have not done retro episodes yet, so this is weird to me. I love this. I do like this. It has so much more fun conversation. And it's great for a, sh- a smaller cast like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much easier. Anyway, um, other side picnic. Um, aside from there being portions of the actual story where it's a little bit difficult to figure out what it- the show is intending on doing and where it wants to go. Um, I think that's the one flaw of the show itself. But the dub, I think, is rather solid. I think it's nicely directed. <laughs> I love the writing is. I think the writing is great. I love the, some of the fun one-liners that add to the absurdity um, that the show can have sometimes. And the casting is great, primarily with Madeline Morris and Emily Neves because they have to carry the whole show. On their backs, on within their little backpacks through the other side, you know what I mean? Um, and they do really, really well, and they have a fun dynamic with each other. Um, it's a solid dub. <laughs> You're either go- I feel like it's gonna be one of those where you either love it or hate it, because either the story can get a little bit odd in places, not knowing where it wants to go, or you could be like Gigi. <laughs> And you you could be like Gigi and be like, eh, not enough Yuri. Um, That's right. Everybody has a personal preference, and this is not among Gigi's personal preferences, uh, which is fine. It's not. It's not. It's not a bad thing at all. Um, but 
if you're into fun little urban legends thing, and creepypastas and things like that, with a little, little splash of Yuri in there, just a tiny splash of Yuri in there, you're going to get enjoyment out of this. And I think the dub does very well with it. So I, I say give it a watch. Um, maybe at least the first few episodes to see if it is your cup of tea. Because sometimes horror is not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> Unlike me and Amon <laughs> and Patrick. Hi. And sometimes Gigi. <laughs> Because Higurashi. <laughs> but yeah. Who wants to go next? Um, so the show is, first and foremost, is right up my wheelhouse. Um, I really enjoy sort of those creative little five or six paragraph um, horror stories where things really don't end well for the poster. And they have like the little creepy image. Mm -hmm. Um... Like, this feels like a couple of those put together, which is absolutely great. Um, the dub's really solidly put together. This, I think, is not only one of the first um, Studio Nano dubs I'm talking about on the show. It's actually one of the first I've actually had time to sit down and watch end-to-end. -end. So, um, you guys did really solid work. Uh, bang up job. Everybody sounds great. Um, tone was balanced really well. Scripts were loose enough that it felt natural, but at the same time adhered to what was being portrayed on screen. Um, this kind of thing may not be everybody's jam, but if, you know, if you sometimes go on to like the weird parts of reddit like this might actually be for you yeah, do you do you hang out on r slash no sleep a lot <laughs> <laughs> then you really i don't know why you have watched this already you'll love this shit i'm potentially realizing is this actually the first studio nano dub we've actually ever talked about on this show mm -hmm. i'm oh, looking what else they do because yeah, andrew because they have they have gekidal uh hortonesia saga yeah, have we done a have we done a Kaguya Sama? We have episode? not. No, because yeah, Andrew was waiting for This is the first time we're actually talking about Studio Nano. Yeah, they also have done Ikebukuro Westgate Park, the recent show by Rock, the new Higarashi series, and then Mongetsu Warheights. War Heights. which that one's a weird one. Uh, as an FYI, I watched that one. <laughs> but no, this is actually the first time we're talking about Studio Nano. I think. Dang. Dang, long overdue. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, Patrick, do you have anything you want to oh, add? Oh, yeah, I was I was waiting for, for Gigi to come in. Oh. Were you Yeah, done? yeah, I'm all set. Sorry. I, oh, okay. I... No, you're fine. You're fine. I'm trying to compose myself and thoughts. Because I really want to go on a picnic now. Like, I feel... I'll go with like you. The, the whole picnic aspect. I will, has... I will fly down to Texas and we'll go on a picnic together. How's that? Will you? It's yeah. cold here. It's like 20 degrees today. Ooh. Do you want to come up here? It's like 55 for me. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> it's not Your picnic would taste like Boston clam chowder or something. I I'm live in Connecticut, that. bitch! What do they got there? More fish? Nutmeg. Pizza that's <laughs> nutmeg in the shape steak. of a square. Don't you live like by a wharf or something? Am I making this up? Maybe. I don't know. I'm an hour from New York City. Let's go to the fucking city, bitch. We'll have, okay, we'll have a we picnic can have cheesecake. 
We'll go to Junior's. There we go. Except I hate cheesecake, but that's okay. They also have a chocolate cake because I've been to Junior's. <laughs> that was my chef's kiss. It was like a kiss with a little bit of squeak in there. I only had Junior's once. It was fucking busy as shit when I went, though. Holy oh, man. Hell. It was like when I went to Junior's, it was like while a Broadway show was going on. So it was pretty like calm because everybody was in the shows. Oh, I went before a Broadway show, before like the oh, evening no. shows. So that's when you know I was fucked. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. We were like, <laughs> we were waiting for Daniel Radcliffe. To come out so we could stage door him at Equus. Oh my god, that's amazing. And we got pictures with him too. <gasps> I hate you. Nice. I'll have to find them. They're on my Facebook. What? Anyway. You've lived a very charmed life, Gigi. You know, you know we had to play Two Truths and a Lie the other day and everybody was like, you've done a lot of shit. And I'm like, sure have. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So picnics aside, uh, I won't fault the dub for anything that that's that the anime lacks for me, which is uh, number one, the anime is fucking weird. Number two, there's not enough Yuri in it. I was promised a Yuri and a picnic, but besides the picnic, um, I keep like I'm holding a can so you can like hear me tapping on it. Like I'm using it as an exclamation for everything that I say. <laughs> um, hold my beer, I guess. She's having a hold my beer moment. It's a diet Pepsi. Whatever. Hold my Pepsi. Hold my Pepsi, fam. Um, I can't fault the dub. The dub is a solid dub. It plays with things that I'm not necessarily used to with these actors that have I have heard in typecasted ways, which is a good thing because it gives me a point of contrast. But it's also a weird thing, which kind of matches the tone of the show, which is... Is all right. It's a solid dub. Everybody did a good job. Now I want to hear a little bit of Canadian accent, and I'm kind of sad that that didn't happen. Maybe it did, and I wasn't paying attention, but I definitely heard Longa say sorry. No. And skate the infinity. Oh, no, he did. Emily, release. Coming soon. Emily, bring us the unreleased Canadian track. Can you please bring us the Canadian dub of... (laughs) Of other side, God damn it. no, it was it was fine. The dub was was good. It was serviceable for a show that I didn't really care for and just wanted to make jokes about. Um, Amelie was really good in this. Like I really kind of is she in Higurashi? No. Oh damn! I would have like liked to have been able to hear. Her go even more off the rails, if that would be even you possible. You do at least have Michelle Rojas in Higurashi. Um, she plays the twins, Shion and Mion. Ooh, shit. Yep. So you at least have Michelle Rojas. Well, that's that's going to be a good time whenever I get around to watching it. Oh, it is. Um, but <laughs> I am glad. I am glad that I watched this because it took me out of my comfort zone. Um, y'all, sometimes you got to go out of your comfort zone. But to me, like Yuri is a comfort zone. But like this weird shit with the giant eyeball, I screamed out loud. <laughs> oh my in god! The, in the bed. And I, Were Chris might have been asleep at, at the, in the time. dark. Yeah, that explains ah! it. I was watching it at night in the dark. I was watching it in the kitchen making dinner. I was watching it five (laughs) minutes before we recorded this episode. Oh, shit. Lots of places I was watching other side picnic. Uh, But it's a a good dub. I'm not going to fault it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't care for the anime. It's all good. Sometimes that shit happens. 
And um, it's not yeah, your typical cup of tea, but that's fine. No, I wish I had some tea right now. I could be fancy instead of drinking a Diet Coke out of a straw, but whatever. Listen, come back up. Come up here. We're going to go to New York. We'll find ourselves some nice some nice bars to go to with some nice Can we go drinks. to tea? Yes, let's go to tea, love. Let's go to high tea. Let's... Oh my God, here's my British accent. It sounds cockney now, but <laughs> whatever. cockney. Holy shit. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's not Please, Amon, annoying. take us home. Get... Get us out of here. <laughs> we have fun here. Yes. <laughs> um, I really, I really enjoyed this dub. This is, this is very much a show that is absolutely up my alley. I had a lot of fun watching it. I think this dub's like really strong and really well put together. I think the cast is great across the board. Everyone's really fun to listen to. Um, I, 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 I. I I never have any good sense of how well any of these shows are actually doing, so I don't know if a season two is in the cards at all. I hope there is. I feel like it's gonna it's gonna go in some interesting places, and I'd really like to hear this cast come back again and play these characters again. Mm-hmm. Um, and unless anyone else has anything to add, nope. I think uh, we're good. If you if you would like to watch this, it is currently streaming on Funimation. Uh, the Blu-ray is coming out in March. I want to say like March 22nd or something like that. Oh, so this episode uh, might be out limited? by the time for that, actually. Yeah, actually, like you, 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 depending on how fast the turnaround this is, you may in fact be able to go pre-order it like, and get it in a couple of weeks, basically. Uh, so that's fun. Did it get a limited or is it just a regular? Just, no, just a regular. All right, then like nobody watched this. But at least it's not sub only. I'm looking at you, hypnosis microphone. Uh, pour one out uh, for the real one. We won't go there, except I just did. <laughs> I was actually looking forward to a hype mic dub. Oh my God. Could you imagine? It would just be me on the floor screaming and crying the entire time. You would be just I screamed and cried during the sub. You should have seen me watch the first episode six times. I'm sorry. Please end the episode. (laughs) It's okay. We love you. Uh, I'm pouring one out for you, Gigi. (laughs) Thank you. Funimation streaming. Blu-ray in about a month. Check it out. Uh, you can check us out on uh, our YouTube page, which is a likely place you're listening to this right now. Uh, we are also on various podcatchers, and so we're on Podbean officially, and that is that propagates to various other podcast places. So go check us out there too. Leave us a review or something; we'd appreciate it. Uh, and we also have a Patreon. Uh, we're also on like Twitter and stuff. Are we really on anything other than Twitter at this point? I feel like we we always list these websites. We don't actually. I mean, use. we Twitter still talk Twitch about Tum- uh, We still talk about Tumblr, but you know, it's dead. As as a way as a way to make a joke about how it's a wasteland, no one enjoys. <laughs> Primarily t- Twitter and um, Twitch nowadays. Yep, tw- yep. We uh, we have a Twitter. We have a Twitch channel where people uh, stream video games and shit. Uh, I think I think everyone here except Gigi does something. Gigi, Gigi pops up on occasion. Yeah, so go check that out and look at our schedule and what's coming up. Uh, you, and we have a Patreon uh, where you can help give us money to help make this show. Very kind of you if you do. And if you give us enough money, we'll shout you out on the episode. For example, <laughs> shout out to our $5 tier. Julia W., Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with yowie hands. Sue Tweet, and Victor Mayberoda. And also, thank you to our $10 tier. Anthony Brown, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, 
Jared Hawkins, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you. We appreciate that you monetarily support Thanks, us. Thanks, fam. Uh, uh, humans, where can we where can we where can we find you on the internet? Uh, oh, oh okay. I'll start. Um, yeah. Hi, I'm Patrick, aka Roots of Justice. You can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice. I mean mainly retweet cute animal pics talk general fandom it's a good time you should come visit say hi um i'm actually kind of i have something for the blog mostly together um hopefully it'll be posted at some point i keep saying this i sometimes have things that are basically ready to go and then i'm just like eh, and then don't do it but hopefully this is the one that sticks um I'm also kind of in the process of starting to script some stuff out for some solo projects. So, like, maybe stay tuned for that. It's it's another one of those possibly eh kind of things, but we'll see. Hello, my name is Stephanie. Sometimes people call me Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I have a blog, Life and Times of Talk at WordPress.com that has been gathering dust and I need to figure out what the fuck I'm doing with it. Uh, and speaking of the Twitch channel, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, my laptop will have been fixed. <laughs> Because I'm on a, me and Andrew actually are currently on a streaming break because the screen of my computer decided to um, shit the bed in the middle of a stream a couple weeks ago, uh, and my computer is currently getting fixed. Um, but once it is fixed, uh, you can come hang out with me Sunday afternoons uh, while we're playing while I play Animal Crossing, and then you can also join me Sunday evenings, where probably by the time this episode comes out, hopefully we'll have finally finished I Have Somnium Files, and we'll have moved on to another fun random game. So, but yeah, come hang out. We have a fun time here. Oh, by the way, I forgot my Patrick's cool thing of the day, but we'll we'll go ahead and let. Almond get to his dusty song once he he does his thing, and then I'll do that. So well, you got GG too. Right. Yeah, and GG. I don't have a dusty song. <laughs> no, just just tell us where to find you on the internet. You have oh, a new thing don't. too, by the way. I do have a new thing. Uh, you can find me at my normal hangouts on Twitter and YouTube at Anime Palooza, but you can also find me on Pop Shop Live, Woo! where every two weeks I'm selling all my stuff because I'm poor, but I'm keeping some of it because I love it. But I also would love for you to come and hang out with me as we live stream and you can buy something very cool or cute. She's and you she's, don't even, and I give away stuff. Again, she's adding QVC host onto her resume now. I am. So if you want to sign up for Pop Shop Live, you can download the app and use the code GG22. That's G-I-G-I-2-2. And it would really help me out. And I would love to see you on my streams there, which mostly are going to be uh, every two weeks on Sundays. But check my Twitter or you can check my Pop Shop page, which is also Anime Palooza for when I do that. Yeah. But coming out, we play games and we have a lot of fun. And last time we played this wonderful game where let's see how many clear files are going to fall off my wall. And then none of them did. <laughs> and then the next morning, seven clear files fell off oh, my man. wall. Yeah. So it's a good time. We have a good time. Come come say hi to me. Yeah. I love I love friends. Friends are nice. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Amundul US. Dual has two U's in it. I talk about comics and bullshit mostly. Uh, I also talk about music. And I have a dusty old song Woo-hoo! for you. Uh, actually, love- actually te- technically for this one, I have a whole album to recommend. Yeah, you. buddy. Uh, because it felt 
it felt. Uh, who who here watches JoJo's? Yes. I watch JoJo's. Do you even have to ask? You you may recall that the ending to JoJo's part four was I Want You by Savage mm-hmm. Garden. I love that song. Right. Darren Hayes, the singer from Savage Garden, has a solo career. Uh, I'm not super familiar with it, but I am familiar with, I think it's like his fourth album, This Delicate Thing We Made. It's great. Highly recommend it. Uh, the, the track I'm going to single out is one called Waking the Monster, which from what I can tell from the lyrics is basically, it's sung from the point of view of the assistant to a mad scientist who is angry and the mad scientist keeps obsessing over this monster he's made and not focusing on the important things, i.e. the assistant, who would really wish he would actually, you know, commit to their relationship or something. That sounds amazing. <gasps> nice. I'm spotifying this right now. It's great. I highly recommend it. Uh, Patrick, you, you have a cool thing, okay. right? Um, oh, wait, actually, oh. wait, hold on, before I go, uh, sorry, um, if you want to check out the light novel, as I said, J-Novel is putting that out, I believe there's also a manga adaptation that I think they might be putting out, it's either them or Seven Seas, uh, and if you, uh, are interested in this show, but find the whole, like, I don't know anything about these, where, where can I go to learn about that, uh, we brought it up earlier, but I would recommend the site Koabana. It is a website and YouTube channel run by a woman named Tara Devlin. Uh, she talks about this, and I think the fun part, of course, is that she she knows Japanese, so what you read on there are her translations of the actual stories. Oh, okay. Uh, including, uh, she does, like, a podcast where she'll, like, uh, translate them and, like, read them out loud, basically. Um, nice. Certainly while I, was, while I was prepping for this, like, I found her a deeply invaluable resource. There's all sorts of stuff that... I learned about basically because she is the one who's writing it up on the internet in the English speaking sphere. So check her out. She does good stuff. Um, and now Patrick. Okay. Um, so if, at the end of every episode, um, I, I'd like to do a thing where I kind of um, introduce a cool thing that I find interesting. Um, I happen to have two today because they are relevant to the topic at hand. Um, one is a YouTube channel and the other is a light novel. Um, first and foremost, um, I would like to recommend the YouTube channel known as Kane Pixels. Um, he's putting out a fantastic little, um, creepypasta found footage horror little anthology called The Backrooms. Mm, Um, based on sort of an old 4chan thread about, like, it's this endless cycle of like office cubicle space kind of like endless rooms in a maze shape and it's just like really nasty orange uh, like really nasty yellow walls the floor is kind of damp and oh yeah they're like fungus monsters that'll like kill you I, I believe the joke of the original post is that this office space is where you end up if you no clip through the wall of reality yes um, like, it, it's a really fascinating little kind of anthology this guy's doing, because it's basically, um, starts out with this video in, like, 1996 with a guy trying to make a really kind of low-budget horror film who just kind of slips and falls into this place, and he's desperately trying to get out. And then there's this whole corporation conspiracy that gets delved into with later videos. It's great. Um, and it really kind of builds a sense of dread about this place. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is a light novel that was put out by Seven Seas about 
two years ago. Um, there's only one volume out. I think it's complete, but I'm not sure. Uh, it's based on another, like, internet kind of creepypasta forum known as the uh, SCP Foundation. Um, I think it was actually referenced in another episode by Amon. Um, the novel is... Yeah, yeah that, sound, that sounds like something I'd say. Um, the novel is called Iris Through the Looking Glass. Um, it's about a girl who can interact with the world through photographs she takes out of an old Polaroid camera. Oh, cool. Okay. And, that sounds like And just a random, like... Like, they, uh, the SCP Foundation has what's called D-Class personnel who are just basically, like, criminals and... And just people that can be easily made to disappear, who are just, like, the grunts, and... The joke is D-Class stands for disposable, but... Anyway, uh, it's about one of those, and he's interacting with this girl. And she's involved in a bunch of shit. And it's... I don't want to spoil too much, but it's... Like, the actual... Actually, you know, I could also suggest the SCP Foundation in general. It's a... It's a wiki of a bunch of, like, little, short, creepypasta stories told in, like, a scientific documentation format that are, like, really... They get really interesting and out there, so... Uh, I don't want to take too much time, though. I could talk... I could talk about it, like, all night. I could do, like, an entire podcast on that if I really wanted to. Oh, boy. But, yeah. Um, Iris Through the Looking Glass is the is the book it's available through seven seas you can get it on like right stuff in amazon probably also available on like digital book formats so keep an eye out for it mm. cool. so you're telling me it's not an alice in wonderland retelling maybe there's allegory of the story i if she's not in a little pinafore dress i don't care no she's not <laughs> also they have tea no tea? Uh, maybe tea. I don't know. No no tea, no shade? <laughs> <laughs> maybe some shade. Okay, cool. <laughs> and with that, thank you for listening to the episode. Y'all have a wonderful week. Rock over Boston, rock out Chicago. Otaku on that, I'm gonna go get. I'm going to go get my bike back. Love <laughs> <laughs> your faces. <laughs> Just, just, just don't eat dog shit along the way. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, don't watch that movie. Uh. <laughs> and Have a good night, everybody. Don't get reincarnated as your own child. <laughs> That's an El Topo reference. <laughs> oh, good night, everyone. Good night, y'all. <laughs>